Hello and welcome to the final episode of our Rare Possessions podcast featuring the book Joseph and Moroni by LeGrand Baker. In this episode, we're going to be featuring a, a bit on the conclusion, but we're also going to be offering uh, kind of our, our own thoughts in memoriam of LeGrand Baker. I'm Nick Galletti, host of this episode, and with me is Jared Riddick again. Glad to be here. I, that sounded very convincing. <laughs> I'm just, I was just thinking about LeGrand actually when you said that, so I was getting a little, a little sad. Yeah, he was a, he's a good man, and uh, we'll talk about him in a little bit, but first let's get to the conclusion, which is a short conclusion mm-hmm. on this book that we've been going through yeah, in the previous pages. weeks. Yeah, real short, but it primarily spends time on a single source for a single story mm-hmm. to kind of put a bow on what he's talked about. What is that source? Uh, the source is Brigham, uh, Brigham Young, and I want to say, let me double check the footnote, that this is... Long, uh, he, he relates a story that he says Oliver Cowdery told him, but he relates it. This is from the Journal of Discourses, and Brigham. It kind of he he's being a little cheeky, uh, right here. It made me <laughs> laugh. Um, he goes, "This is an incident in the life of Oliver Cowdery, but he did not take the liberty of telling such things in meeting as I take." And I just like <laughs> like he didn't. He, you wouldn't have heard this from Oliver, but you'll hear it from me. And he then he then relates a story. That is uh, largely unique, except for, uh, I believe, David Whitmer may have told it later. But, we don't know if David Whitmer was quoting And we don't know if David Brigham. was quoting Brigham. David sometimes did that with things. He would repeat things uh, that he had heard in interviews. But uh, he relates to the, story, uh, the return of the plates to the angel Moroni. Now, in as you'll read in Saints, Joseph returns the plates to the angel. Uh, in this account, as told by Brigham, uh, that... Joseph and Oliver go back and put the plates in a cave in the in the Hillcomore that appears miraculously. Miraculously, and there are all these plates there. Um, there are a lot of different places ways you can take this account. There hasn't really been any archaeological excavations that I'm aware of on the Hillcomore, but its form as a drumlin would seem to preclude it actually having caves. So this could be a, could have been a visionary experience, but it's it's a largely unique story. What we do know is we don't have the golden plates anymore and that they were returned to Moroni's custody in some form and taken back up. Well, in most accounts, just have Joseph returning the plates mm-hmm. by himself. Yeah. This is the only one where Oliver joined him, and mm-hmm. there doesn't seem to be any particular reason why that detail was added. Yeah, he wasn't there when he received the plates. Right. It seems odd that he'd be there at the end. So at this point, take it for what you will. I mean, is that the, yeah, the walk away here? Is take, take the story for what you will. We don't mean anything as a negative towards Legrand, but again, we're understanding... Legrand is telling a story to a young audience mm-hmm. as he as he sees it. And I think he leaned towards sources in this particular volume that were more cinematic. Cinematic, epic, whatever you want to call it. Had a narrative that tied all together. Yeah. And I think in that sense that he wasn't trying to tell a piece of history just for the sake of history. He was trying to teach a principle using bits of history. Mm-hmm. And so with that being said, I mean, he ties it all together about Joseph becoming a prophet and the lessons that he learned. And it really is quite a, an arc it when is. you consider where he came from uh, as a young boy and where he became this prophet at the conclusion. It's it's quite a quite a story. I just liked the name of the conclusion. It was just Joseph had learned to be a prophet. And which I is, really liked that. Yeah, which is what this was all, which it was all about. 
And yes, there was a translation of the Book of Mormon and all that, but there was still more that Joseph had to do. Mm-hmm. And it required that he was a prophet in order for those things to take place. And just because he was a prophet, does that mean he had to cease to learn lessons? No. No, <laughs> no he had more to learn. Mm-hmm. And we know that education never stops. Yeah. He continued to share stories of his growth and learning throughout the rest of his life. And so we we now turn probably uh, not too long. I mean, a lot could be said about Legrand's life and his works. But what were some of your, your thoughts and impressions of Legrand Baker? Um, I remember, I believe, uh, first meeting him at a Book of Mormon Central event uh, very early in the organization's history. This might have been before launch, uh, we, we did our public launch, actually. Uh, this very sweet old man coming up with a cane. Yeah. Just shaking my hand and, you know, just grabbing my, my hand with both of his and shaking it, being just being very happy, mm-hmm. very genial, and just wanting to help in whatever way he could. And that made an impression on me because we were, we were feeling a little bit nervous about where things were going to go. We... Starting this out, most of us were, most of us, the people involved in Book of Mormon Central, if you didn't know, are are younger. Uh, most of us are, I guess you could say, from the millennial uh, <laughs> generation. We're from the late 20s to early 30s. And we were, it, it meant a lot to see respect from a, from a published author that had done some work and was at the end of his career and was happy to uh, pass the baton. Yeah. You know, I, I had known him for quite a long time, since about 2000, I'd say 2007. Mm-hmm. And maybe even a little before that, now that I think about it. But I had known him for for a while and very quickly come to understand that he was a gifted writer and he was very passionate about the topics that he wrote on. Sometimes he wrote because he felt absolutely compelled to write it, not because it was something he enjoyed. His book, Murder of the Mormon Prophet, was about 700 pages and did over 30 years of research on every newspaper he could find on Joseph Smith. And when you ask him about, did you enjoy writing this? He'll tell you, I hated it. And when you say, well, why did you, <laughs> why did you, you hate it? it? Why did you write it? He said, I wrote it because the history needed to be told in its truth. He wrote it because he loved Joseph Smith. And the reason that he hated writing it was because it was he had to read every hateful thing that was ever written about him. Mm-hmm. He had to delve into the sources of the people who conspired to kill him. And that's a lot to try and stomach when you're talking about someone you care deeply for. And he did. He cared very much for, for Joseph Smith and felt very close to his story and his life. I, in some ways, I'm, I'm willing to say that Joseph and Moroni was a story of Joseph's path, but I feel that it was one that Legrand felt he had traveled in his own way. And that's why he felt he could write it and wanted to share it. Because when you talk to him one-on-one, this is what he talked to you about. It was how to get revelation, how to understand revelation, and and how to, his later books, how to learn how to come into the presence of the Lord in sacred time and sacred space. Those were things that he was very passionate about and, and loved very much. Should we read this little obituary on him? Sure. All right. This... um. This was one I found uh, online. It's uh, the obituary of Legrand Liston Baker, if you didn't know what the L stood for. I was wondering that Liston. actually last week. He, uh, he passed away at age 80 in Orem, and uh, he died on Thursday, August 2nd, 2018, following a brief illness. And just as a side note before we go into that, Legrand talked about dying for the last 10 years of his life because he, and we joked with him, he knew this, we joked he, that he wanted to die so he could see if what he wrote was true. 
Um, anyway, so here we go. Legrand was born November 2nd, 1937 on his grandfather's ranch in Boulder, Utah, then grew up on a small farm in Utah Valley. He attended Spanish Fork and Lincoln High Schools. After graduating from Brigham Young University in 1963, he received a master's degree and a PhD from the University of Wisconsin at Madison in American history in 1972. He concentrated on the period of the American Revolution and the writing of the Constitution. Legrand was curator of the Wells Freedom Archives and adjunct professor of history at BYU teaching American constitutional history from 1974 to 2004. It's a good, good run. Mm-hmm. Legrand was a faithful member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints throughout his life. In addition to serving a full-time mission for the church in England, he fulfilled many other assignments, but his favorite was teaching gospel doctrine in Sunday school, which he did for more than three decades cumulatively. He taught LDS Institute and BYU Education Week classes, as well as multiple religion classes at BYU, where he especially enjoyed teaching about the Book of Mormon. Legrand was a dedicated and published student of the gospel. His articles have appeared in the Improvement Era and the Enzyme. He is the author of Murder of the Mormon Prophet, Political Prelude to the Death of Joseph Smith in 2006, Joseph and Moroni, The Seven Principles Moroni Taught Joseph in 2007. He was co-author with Stephen Ricks of the book Who Shall Ascend into the Hill of the Lord, The Psalms in Israel's Temple Worship in the Old Testament and the Book of Mormon in 2010. He, he also wrote another book called Book of Mormon is an Ancient Israelite Temple, which is kind of a shortened version of mm-hmm. the, the Psalms in Israel's Temple book. Also very good. Legrand loved his family and his friends deeply. He's survived by his wife and their four children and 16 grandchildren along with siblings. For me, Legrand was a bit of a gospel mentor. He, uh, as I mentioned before, wrote some praise for the back cover of my book, Tree of Sacrament. He introduced me to many other people that, that helped get that book published. He appeared in my documentaries, Picturing Joseph and Murdering the, Murder of the Mormon Prophet. I spent a good time with him, and I got to know him. He helped me see the gospel in new ways, um, powerful ways, but he did so without compromise. And for those that knew Grand, they would say he was kind and loving, even encouraging at times, but his good opinion was not easily earned. And uh, when it came to speaking about gospel things, he was very protective about what people wrote. If he didn't like something, he let you know. And sometimes that uh, it took several revisions to, to garner his his good opinion. But uh, like I said, he was a mentor to me, but he was also a mentor to many people that that all probably had their own slightly different relationship with him because he was a teacher and the best teachers know that they need to meet the students where they're at. And and he knew how to do that very well. And so uh, I know he left a marked impression on my life and and even my wife's life because we we read a lot of his books together. And so uh, that's my Concluding thoughts on the Grand, and I'm grateful that we had the chance to go through this. Yeah, me too. God be with you till we meet again, Legrand. That's right. And there are other items in the Book of Mormon Central Archives from Legrand Baker, so we want to encourage you to go check those out. And uh, let's tease a little bit of what we have coming up. Coming up, we're going to be doing uh, uh, work with items in the archive that go along with the Book of Mormon, but also with themes from the new Come Follow Me to serve as additional study aids uh, for our listeners. We want to see how that goes for a little bit and how you guys appreciate it. And we look forward to, to hearing your feedback, some constructive feedback. It'd be great. And uh, we hope you keep listening. Absolutely. So here now is going to be a reading of the conclusion of the book Joseph and Moroni by Legrand L. Baker. Mm-hmm. 
Conclusion, Joseph and Moroni by Legrand L. Baker Joseph had learned to be a prophet. What happened to the gold plates? The sacred record was once again in the angel's custody. Moroni did not return it to the stone box on the hill Cumorah where Joseph found it. He placed it in a cave with other sacred Nephite records. Two months before his death in 1877, Brigham Young described that cave. He explained that his purpose for telling this story was so that they, these facts, will not be forgotten and lost. He wanted Latter-day Saints to know and remember what had happened to the plates of the Book of Mormon. The following paragraph is the account of Joseph Smith's returning the plates to Moroni as Brigham Young reported that Oliver Cowdery told it to him. This is an incident in the life of Oliver Cowdery, but he did not take the liberty of telling such things in meeting as I take. I tell these things to you, and I have a motive for doing so. I want to carry them to the ears of my brethren and sisters, and to the children also, that they may grow to an understanding of some things that seem to be entirely hidden from the human family. Oliver Cowdery went with the prophet Joseph when he deposited these plates. Joseph did not translate all of the plates. There was a portion of them sealed, which you can learn from the Book of Doctrine and Covenants. When Joseph got the plates, the angel instructed him to carry them back to the hill Cumorah, which he did. Oliver says that when Joseph and Oliver went there, the hill opened, and they walked into a cave in which there was a large and spacious room. He says he did not think at the time whether they had the light of the sun or artificial light, but that it was just as light as day. They laid the plates on a table. It was a large table that stood in the room. Under this table there was a pile of plates as much as two feet high, and there were altogether in this room more plates than probably many wagon loads. They were piled up in the corners and along the walls. The first time they went there the sword of Laban hung on the wall, but when they went again it had been taken down and laid upon the table across the gold plates. It was unsheathed, and on it was written these words. This sword will never be sheathed again until the kingdom of this world become the kingdom of our God and his Christ. I tell you this as coming not only from Oliver Cowdery, but others who were familiar with it and who understood it. Moroni allowed Joseph to keep the Urim and Thummim, and the prophet continued to use it to receive instructions from the Savior. Joseph had learned to be a prophet. There is no evidence that Moroni visited Joseph Smith again in the years that followed, but neither is there evidence he did not. Together they had succeeded in their mission. The gold plates had been kept safe. Their translation had been completed, and they were once again in the secure custody of the angel. The translation itself was ready for publication. For Joseph, there had been other fruits of their extraordinary friendship. The young prince had learned who he was, which is the same as learning why he was, and why he must remain true to the law of his own being. He had learned from Moroni how to obey and how to know what to obey. He had learned the meaning of triumph of sacrifice. Then the Holy Ghost opened to his understanding the true meaning of the mysteries of the fullness of the gospel, as recorded in the Book of Mormon. As a result, Joseph now had the power to commit all that he had and all that he was to the establishment and growth of the kingdom of God. By shepherding Joseph through those experiences, Moroni had succeeded in his mission. Joseph had learned to be a prophet.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Rare Possessions Podcast by Book of Mormon Central. Stay tuned every week for new episodes of the Rare Possessions Podcast by Book of Mormon Central. 